boundless love and mercy. We'll be streaming live. I've been talking to you this week about uh, the defense of Stephen's in front of the leaders of Israel. Remember the young man who was stoned in Acts chapter 7. He was a young man. I don't know his age, but he must have been about 25 to 30 years old. And his defense is the topic of our Bible studies this week. So thank you for staying with me and and joining every Monday through Fridays at 9 o'clock in the morning. I've said something to you about Scripture. Because one of the questions that people ask me a lot, and and, and say, Rick, uh, you, you are anointed men of God. Well, I appreciate you thinking that way. But uh, I hate to tell you, uh, there's nothing in me that uh, makes me anointed except the Word of God. Because I speak the Word and I teach the Word and I minister the Word, God has mercy on my life and at the same time helps me to serve Him. So the anointing is on the Word. As we began this last Monday, I've told you, that the reason why the Word is important to be preached, especially Old Testament versus Scriptures that are confirmed in the New Testament, that the the way this operates is when you do that, it activates the prophetic power of the Word of God. Activates the prophetic power of the Word of God. When we talk about what God has done, the prophetic kicks in. It activates the power of the Word through the Holy Spirit. You say, Rick, but uh, is the Word of God... This is what Hebrews 4.12 says. For the Word of God is living and powerful, sharpening its right sword, piercing even through uh, bones and marrow, thoughts and intents of the heart. So the Word of God is powerful. When, when, When the Scripture can speak to the intents of your hearts, and it's active, alive, then, you see, a Bible study or something, listening to what I'm saying to you, you know, you can watch a cowboy movie and not remember that you read it and that you saw it. You can watch a John Wayne movie and you remember she used, uh, she wear a yellow, a yellow hair, yellow hat, whatever. Uh, it's a movie. But you don't remember what's in the movie. But when you hear the Word of God, you will never forget It stays in your spirit. It strengthens you. It builds you up. It encourages you. And so the ability to do that through this camera and throughout throughout the world is an opportunity to serve God. Now, when you do that, you activate the prophetic power of the Word. Prophetic means... The power to create, the power to look forward, the power to overwhelm you, the power to heal, the power to deliver, the power to strengthen you, the power to build you up. So, so it's no joke in here. We're not just doing this in order for you to like us. I'm not a popsicle for you to like me. And I don't care if you like me or not, but I want you to fall in love with the Word. So, Stevens mentions... Deuteronomy 18.15. Let's take a look at this young man's biblical knowledge. 
as Moses speaks to the Israelites in the desert, uh, the word was in in uh, Deuteronomy 18.15. And it says, God, and this is God speaking, God will raise up for you a prophet like me, Moses saying, from your own people. He was in the assembly in the wilderness, the time when he climbed, went into the burning bush and, and, uh, and, and came into the presence of God with the angels who spoke to him on Mount Sinai and with all our ancestors as he received living words to pass on to us. That is a prophetic word. And this word is saying to you that uh, God wants to bless your life. That is saying that Moses prophesied. Stephen's repeated in front of the Sanhedrin, in front of the leaders, and announced the, the prophet coming that will teach us all Jesus Christ, the Son of God. You see, that is in Stephen's message. You know, I want to give you an example. I'm writing a series of uh, 100 pages, small books. And uh, I prepared this material about uh, five years ago or six years ago or maybe ten years ago. But yesterday, I read the first uh, 30 minutes, first little booklet, and I was overwhelmed by it. I couldn't believe that I had written that. And that's the way it is with prophetic. God uses your mouth to speak and to write and to bless people. I don't know if you remember, uh, we had a young a man here in our office called Dr. Dan Dunn. And he uh, spoke on uh, uh, the encourager Barnabas. Well, that word stayed with us. Why? Because Dan Dunn is a good Bible teacher? No, because the powerful, the word is powerful in itself. And it convicts, it changes, it makes you an encourager. Now anybody can teach, but without the Holy Spirit, there are vain words. And so, Stephen's now is exposing what was in the hearts of, their, of these priests. Look, he is talking to priests. What do you mean? Chief priests. What are some of them? Well, you had... Uh, Caiaphas and his family and Annas and, and many others. So, verse 39 of chapter 7 of Acts says, To whom our fathers will not obey, but trust him from them. Push him out. Our fathers, he's saying to them, this is what, verse, this is what Stephen said. Stephen said that our fathers, those in, in the land... Uh, would not obey, and they began to push, to trust Moses out of them, separate them from Moses. Now, I study this, if God did not intervene, they, the Jews, would have killed Moses several times. Several times. Moses was uh, uh, several times uh, uh, interrupted in his personal ministry. And I want to tell you this, it's, a, it's very difficult to see Moses being sent by God to bring the people out of Egypt. And they're fighting the one that God sent to take him out of Egypt. 
So you, you need to, and he's referring to them as the fathers, as the leaders of that bunch, a million and a half people. And remember that when Stephen is saying these things to the leaders of Israel, they had just crucified the Lord of glory. And so, how did the Holy Spirit feel about Stephen? Oh my goodness gracious. All over him. The presence of God in the life of this young man was overwhelming. Uh, I believe that the Apostle Saul, a mighty soldier, Hellenistic all the way, was standing at the side, approving of everything that that group of priests were about to do. But he turned his heart after that because he disappears and shows up in Damascus and had his experience with God in Damascus and became a servant of Jesus Christ. And so, I want you to think very, very clearly about this. Because as you see leaders talking about bishops, talking about people that we elected to represent us, turned against the Word of God in order to please somebody else. So the Israelites asked Aaron to make for them gods to go before them. In other words, they didn't have a god. Ask Aaron to make one. Now that's really empty. You know, when, when, when God provides manna from heaven and quail for breakfast, every, every, every family had a sack of quail. I know quail is a small little bird, but a sack of it means you can feed the whole family and, and just create a grill down there and cook it. And they're asking Aaron to offer them and to find them a God. All the sacrifices that they would burn before God was in the presence of the golden calf. Offered sacrifices unto idols. So, so here the language, the tonality of Stephen's discourse turns to a more deliberate attack on the fathers, on the patriarchs. That is when the Holy Spirit in, in, in the life of Stephen's simply says, I had enough. I've seen enough. I perhaps witnessed from afar the crucifixion of the Lord of glory, the Messiah. And I cannot stay silent. You see, some of us cannot stay silent. When we see the putrefying worship and the liberal theology that calls sin not to be sin defy and ridicule the cross of Calvary and causes a man from a pulpit to say that salvation uh, uh, can come from different other gods. That is the same as, 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 uh, as the Israelites and the chief priests of the time of Jesus. In verse 43, there's an interesting thing that Stephen said. Yes, you took up the tabernacle of Molech. What do you mean by that? Molech was the Ammonite deity to whom children were offered by fire. Is that a problem in America today? 
It is. It is because, you see, abortion is the law of the land these days. I don't care if you can't have an abortion somewhere else, but you need to pay for it. Don't use my tax money to pay for it. In other words, that is against my principles. I'm not saying that I will stand and ask everybody to do no, to do no abortion. I'm not saying that. People have to be free to commit their own sin. But don't use my money. It's the same as whom children are offered by fire. We're doing today the same thing that Moloch, the god of the deity of the Ammonites, required in Deuteronomy 18.10 and Leviticus 18.2. Look what God says in Leviticus 18.21. You shall not let your seed pass through the fire of Molech. You shall not let any of your seed pass through the fire of Molech. It's an interesting thing. It's a powerful thing to hear an argument of such, of such a kind. And so don't be discouraged. Don't be bothered about it. Do not try to be, how do you say, to be uh, uh, unconnected, untouched. You have the right to stand against abortion. It's a godly right. And in America, we're able to do that. And nobody can shut my mouth. Because that's the way I feel. And I have the right to speak my peace. So, let me ask you this. Israel returned to other gods, rejecting Moses and Aaron. Look at, look at Stephen saying on Acts 7, 43, The star of your God, Rapan, figures, figures which you made to worship them. In other words, when you have to make your own God with a piece of wood, or a piece of rock, so you can worship them, that's as low as you can go. Stephen then uses Amos 5.25-27 to to do a better argument. And he really, when he cites Amos 5.21, it just speaks exactly what really is going on here. I hate and I despise your feasts. I will not smell your solemn assemblies. I never understood that. That really smell assembly simply means uh, when you burned a nice filet mignon, a nice steak, you know, a nice a nice uh, haifa, three years old. That smell just rises to God, and God just comes down and ah. Uh, that smells good. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not hear the melody of your violins. I will not smell your sacrifices. Oh, what a sad thing. What a sad thing, John. What a sad thing. So, when we come to this point in this argument that Stevens is having, you have to look at an important item. Sacrifices were offered in the presence of a golden calf. How can you worship God and have to have a, another God close by to check you out? 
How do you think God feels when you are substituting Him? I'll tell you a sad story. One of these crazy preachers wanted to teach culture to his congregation. So he ordered on the internet a copy of an, a God that is in, 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 uh, in, in, in Syria, Egypt, and all those areas called the Ra. It's a figure of a woman with three arms and, 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 uh, uh, and her eyes are green stones. And he put it inside of the chancel area and began to explain the power of Ra. Well, the congregation left. And by the mercy of God, they survived today because God rescued them and they didn't lose their building to the bank. Let me say this to you. How many of these false prophets have you ordained as priests? How many of these false prophets are preaching today in our churches? And so, there come a time in the life of the church when you cannot commune with death anymore. You cannot commune with evil anymore. You cannot commune with liberal ideas that defies the work of the cross and belittles the blood of Jesus Christ shed on, the, on Calvary. There's come a time. You cannot compromise. Because if you compromise in those points, then you're not a Christian anymore. They thought that rituals please God. It did not. Today as you come into some of these churches, they're multi-million dollar buildings, but they're empty. The people of God has left and found sustenance somewhere else. Why? Because they begin to die. And they didn't, want to, they didn't want it to die with the priest. If the offering was accepted, the one giving the offering was being accepted. If the offering was rejected, the one giving the offering was rejected. In other words, in other words, God is not going to play favorites with you. If you are someone that loves God and offer Him a clean offering of sacrifice and praise with a pure heart, then God will accept your offering. But if you come with a second idea in your mind, trying to impose your theology on people, then God is not going to bless you. And that is the problem. Stevens continues in verse 48, chapter 7 of Acts. Solomon built a house. Howbeit the Most High dwells not in temples made with hands. What is that means? What is that, uh, that Stevens is saying? Well, Solomon, David wanted to build a house for God. But because he had much blood in his hands, God chose Solomon, son of David. And Solomon built the first temple. You remember the first temple was the a seventh wonder in the world. One of the most beautiful temples in all humanity in those days. What they're saying is, when you have to go to the temple to meet God, you think God is in the temple only. He's not anywhere else. 
But when you think of our God, He's all over the world. He's all over all the trees. He's all over all the places. He's all over all the vegetation, the countries. In other words, our God is sovereign, is holy, and He occupies eternity. The stars and constellations are filled with the presence of God. You can't limit God to a temple in Jerusalem. Where does this prayer comes from? It comes from Solomon's prayer in the consecration of the first temple, 1 Kings 8.27. So let me ask you a, a question. When you go to church and you're about to go home, does God is with you inside of your car? Is God with you as you uh, sit down to pray your meal in your house? Do you have the presence of God with you as you take your kids to school? As you run all over town with them to get them in sports and playing soccer and football and volleyball and baseball, uh, are you, are you, uh, do you sense the presence of God with you as you take care of your children and join the world? Israel was a place where the temple was all that was. What Solomon's prayer was saying was that no human made temple can contain all that God is. Now they said that in the presence of the sin heaven. Because you see the priests of those days, they were very proud of who they were. They went to the temple because people bowed down to them. They were, they were the people. And by the way, by the time of Jesus, the temple is totally corroded. Tomorrow, I'll tell you about that. How corroded it was. Tune in, tune in at 9 a.m. On, on, on Thursday morning and I'll be glad to share with you. At this point, the message then turns to worse. Because Steve is about to close this, this great sermon, this great testimony. The main points in the part of defense of Stephen's began to be made. And the number one thing that happened was, if Moses prophesied, the coming of Jesus, the Messiah. Why should the Israelites reject it? If God chose Moses out of the house of Pharaoh to do the work that God called him to do, the rejection of the Israelites in itself is to their dismay, is to their lost, because God did not move a muscle. You need to understand that whoever rejects against God become a loser. It's not a question of we become a loser. If you, re if you reject God, you're a loser. You are, you're actually rejecting the Lord of glory and expect that He will comply to your, to, your, to your desires. It's not happening anymore. You know, a lot of people are dying. Some of them because they're being judged. When you quench, despise, ridicule, laugh, blaspheme the Holy Spirit of God. Life is not pleasant after that. Until repentance comes. But I want to say to you that are completely against my ministry. Completely against what God called me to do. If the Amorites fell in grace uh, 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 in the eyes of God. And God did not bring Moses until the, the, the Amorites were dealt with specifically. 
God extended grace to one of the worst tribes in Israel. Ask Joshua about the Amorites. God also extends His grace to you. And He is expecting you to turn your heart and to repent of the things that you're trying to do. Also, there's an assumption. If the fathers, the patriarchs, were rebellious toward God, is the Sanhedrin, the Jewish Supreme Court of Israel, at this time of this conversation in, in chapter 7 of Acts, rebellious also? See, this is in their minds. What's happening here is that they are actually being considered to be rebellious toward God because they begin to see. Tomorrow I want to share with you the, the first, last two verses of this glorious speech this young man did in front of the Sanhedrin. Number three, to bring the information of Leviticus 18.21 and Deuteronomy 18.10. The question is, to worship to other gods, who is Israel now worshiping? You see, in Leviticus 18.21, Israel is, is, is getting the children and burning them in the fire of Molech. Molech was a, was a god made out of rock, a tall god with a big belly and a hole in the middle of the belly. And they put fire in it and throw the child inside to be burned and sacrificed. We're doing that at every abortion place in the land these days. You all know, you all remember, you all know the amount of, of, of nine-month pregnancy that is completely decapitated in the womb and machine sucking the brain out of the child. As in those days, priests were political in nature. Let me ask you, are priests today Political in nature. I can tell you. There are many bishops that are political in nature. Have no call of God. But you elect them. So now you put up with them. Stephen's clearly, number four. Spoke that God abhors rituals. Empty truth. I want to pray that uh, you'll be able to understand the Scripture today. I'm not saying that you need to be conservative, fundamental, liberal. Uh, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that you need to respect the Word of God and be able to live it and allow God to speak to you and to convict you of your sins and repent and ask Him. You need to take communion and ask Him to forgive your sins every single day of life. This is Rick Bonfin Ministries in Athens, Georgia, P.O. Box 5188. Athens, Georgia 30622. And I stand behind this message. In Jesus' name, Amen. who became the sacrifice for everyone. Oh, God's mercy so amazes me. Oh, God's mercy so amazes me. To every generation
He gives.